As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the last of our series. This week, we are replaying our conversation with the fantabulous Maz Compton. Maz is a media personality who's been working in the industry for two decades. She's spent her life on TV and radio, interviewing celebrities, flying around the world for MTV and hosting award shows. In 2016, she experienced a change in her life that was a huge catalyst that started her on a journey of fitness, decluttering and self-discovery. She has so much goodness to share and we know you're going to fall in love with her just like we did. We hope you had a wonderful Christmas and we will see you in the new year. Hello and welcome to the Art of Decluttering podcast. I'm not sure I've ever been this excited, Kirst, to do an intro because today is part two with Maz Compton and we are like vibing off the charts. If you haven't listened to our episode last week, you need to go back and listen to that first because what I guarantee is when that episode's done is you'll just play this one. So go back <laughs> and if not, welcome back and welcome back Kirsten Maz. Oh thanks. This is oh this is just the best. I'm just I'm vibing. I was just saying like I didn't I love having this conversation. I didn't realise how much I love having this conversation until we had like a super long conversation in the last episode and then you guys were like, hey, let's let's just pause let's and going. do a second episode because we can keep talking about this. It's great. When anybody, whenever I'm having conversations about this with people who aren't in this world um, and I start talking and I get so passionate, I'm like, oh, yeah. That's that's why I have this business and that's yeah. why I do this podcast because I could talk about intentional living and decluttering until the cows come home and I, like Amy and I, like clearly that's why we have podcasts, but yeah. we get so excited and it's so lovely to meet somebody else. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. um, it's really it's it's really obvious to me that you guys are living out your purpose. Like it's so obvious because it just looks good on you and 
you it's really it's funny I feel like you have drawn this out of me and I know I've done I have done the intentional living thing for a number of years now and I it, it keeps manifesting and reshaping and you know I'm in the refiner's fire but I feel like you like what you guys have set up to teach people has drawn out this part of yeah. my story which I'm sharing with you and that's really special so thanks because I feel like I've just learned a ton about myself so good I love that about you Maz sorry I'm just like I'm just giggling at your Jesus reference so many Jesus references (laughs) it's what happens when you grow up in a like hardcore Christian household like you just it stays with you like I've I feel like I've um I've reframed my faith in in a way that it makes total sense to me now um, but there's so many Jesus throwbacks from the 90s in my repertoire. So, Maz, last week we left it on a cliffhanger <laughs> and there were so many references to so many things that we want to dig deeper into. So you mentioned off air how you and your husband reevaluated your life when you were coming up to 40. So tell us that story. Yeah, so, um, my, so I'm 41. Oh my lord! Forty-one. Forty-one is so good. So when, so when, so my husband's three months older than me. So it was heading into his fortieth birthday extravaganza, and we kind of just had a bit of a real, like we're really good communicators. We chat a lot. We have goals, and I have vision boards, and he thinks they're funny. But anyway. He actually brought it up. He was like, hey, babe, like it's been great doing half a decade with you because we've been together about, it's about seven years now. But he was like, what does our next decade look like? And he's like, because I would love to just think about what 50 looks like and start planning to like be awesome there. He's like, because think about, and we have it, we've done a lot of cool stuff and like some pretty wild stuff. Like we bought a house and flipped it in Brisbane. We didn't live in Brisbane. We just moved to Brisbane temporarily. Like we've done some really kind of wild things together, opened businesses. Um, we've both been on like these really intense kind of fitness journeys. We went on fitness holidays. This is all pre-kids obviously. Um, so he was like, what does 50 look like? Because he's like, we're going to turn 50 in 10 years, babe. And I'm like, Ugh. good point. He's like, so what let's talk about what that looks like. And I was like, okay, well, number one for me, like I want to be financially free. So, so we pretty much then and there were like, well, (laughs) we don't even have a house. Like we need to probably buy a house um, and stop renting. So we need to save some money. Like we just had all these sort of things that spiraled out of that conversation of like, if we're going to be financially free at 50 with like our house, like, a childhood home for our kids paid mm-hmm. off. Like we need to probably start making some decisions and eating less menu log. Let's be real. So we kind of just like put these little plans in place for our financial life. And then the other big piece was like, what do you want to be doing when you're 50? And I was like, I don't know. I've never, I've never planned my life ahead that well. I've always just been like, I'm really cool at this thing. I keep getting given really awesome opportunities. I'll just say yes. Mm. But he was like, if you can create it, what does it look like at 50? And I was like, well, I have always wanted to kind of be a psychologist. (laughs) So I enrolled in a psychology degree and I am 
like it's going to probably take me between seven to eight years at, at the rate that I'm able to do it at, which is managing a business, a family and a full-time job plus a podcast side hustle uh, and anything else that I want to throw, plus throwing out all my things every six months. <laughs> but I was like, well, and it, we kept circling back to this kind of statement of like, well, we're going to be 50 anyway. So, like, we can turn 50 and be like, look at all the stuff we kicked butt at in the last decade of our lives together. Or we can just turn 50 and be like, now we're 50. Great. And it's, it's not about accumulating accolades or stuff other than, for me, like, I don't think I wanted a house because I wanted a huge house and it's a tiny cottage anyway because who can afford houses in Sydney? But um, I wanted financial freedom for my family where if I go to work at the age of 50, it's because I'm doing something that's going to be really powerful and I don't have to do it to pay the mortgage. Yeah, you're doing intentional living, Maz, intentional living. You're like, ugh. Yeah, interrupts just a bit too excited. No, it's good. And so, but it's, and we, so when on the days when I don't feel like studying, because like who feels like studying? No one ever. But I come back to like what we're working towards and it's this really incredible life that we're creating for ourselves and our family. And and one other thing that I want to share, I just think it's a good thing for everyone to do, like, We've done it as a couple, but we both have our own individual goals within that. And so I'm able to support Glenn Mm. in what he wants to do and he's able to support me in what I'm able to do. And it's this really beautiful synergy. But it's just a really good chat to have with yourself of like where even if it's like two years, like what's some stuff I can put in place today that's going to make my two years from now sound better or more fulfilling or less stressful? And and I definitely think one thing that's been a key for me is like I have really learned how to say no. And as a woman, that's been like <laughs> not something I've been great at my whole life. But I have learned to say, nope, not interested, don't care, don't Thanks owe anyway, you an explanation. Mm-hmm. And that, that's been a tricky one, but I'm learning it. And I'm, I'm, I, I think COVID helped because there used to be a lot of, especially working in media, even after all of my aha moments, I'm back working in media um, and it's so much more fun this time around because I just don't put the pressure on myself. But I think before COVID there were all these events and things and blah and you've got to be here and all these expectations and that doesn't really exist anymore. So it kind of made it really easy to say no to stuff because I'm like, well, there's nothing on anyway. So we were like, let's just work this for our good. Like let's work this all together for our good. Like how can we like hunker down, look back on this really, really crazy season in life and go, man, we smashed it. That's kind of what keeps us chugging along. And it's not to have billions and empires and yachts and like all of that jazz like that because I know that that won't give me any level of joy or happiness Mm. it's all about fulfillment and it's all about creating a a life that we can enjoy really and you're not saying no 
for the sake of saying no. You're saying no so that you can say yes to the things that are important to you that may not be as sexy. It may be yes to a puzzle on the floor with your son rather than attending a red carpet. And so the no is part of the intentionality rather than I just don't want to do the stuff anymore. Yeah, 100%. That fear of missing out thing is a real thing and people can get, you can become a slave to that. Um, And I think that's maybe one of the reasons that I quit social media is I, it crept. And again, if you're on Instagram, go for it. I don't hate you. That's fine. But it got to a point for me where I was like, this isn't serving me and bringing me joy. So if it isn't serving me and bringing me joy, I'm, I'm just going to be brutal and cut it out of my life. And I have not missed anything. P.S. <laughs> like I still find out about the news. People still tell me about viral videos, which are never funny when people tell you about them. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And yes. so I said no to all of that so that I can be present mainly with my family and not be distracted by stuff that really isn't going to benefit me. And I know I'm a better parent and a better human for that. I d- there's, oh my gosh, like you, you, you're watching me so you can see how much I'm, <laughs> I'm fist pumping. And, <laughs> and um, cause I, we talk about the power of no and the power of saying no, but to be able to say no, you have to do that deep work of figuring out who you are and yeah. what what your values are, what what your identity is, and where do you place that identity? Do you place yeah. that identity in your outputs and who you, like what you can achieve and what like what work you're putting your hand to and how good or bad a mother you are or how good or bad a sister or daughter or you know when you rather than it actually being about who you are inherently no yes. no matter what no matter what you can put your hand to no matter what productivity you can achieve mm. you know no matter what even even to your point like no matter what you get done by the time you're 50 you and your husband and your son are still going to be inherently amazing. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> you are like you because you already are. It doesn't mm. like you already are mm. amazing. And so I think that oh, like I'm getting more and more passionate about helping people to identify or to figure out who they are. And their identity, yeah. because I think that that helps you figure out what your values are. Do you know one thing just on that yeah. um, that I that was really really powerful for me when I stopped drinking, um, which is a whole oh my god that's like a whole that's ten yeah. more episodes. <laughs> yeah, well, wasn't it a book? Yes, I did write a yeah. book about it. Yeah, it's called the Social Rebellion. But in so end of twenty fourteen, I quit drinking as a bit of an experiment because my life was spiraling basically, and I was terribly unhappy. Even though my life on paper looked amazing, and I, after four weeks of not drinking, realized like how awesome I felt, and so I just mm-hmm. kept not drinking, and that was seven years ago, nearly. Um, But one thing I did on that journey really early on is I had to 
tell myself to stop apologizing or making a good choice because mm-hmm. I used to do this thing and I caught myself out all the time. So we, it was like a couple of months in and everyone on my team knows like, oh, Maz isn't drinking and she's just being so boring. And um, even though I was still there at the bar drinking soda water, kind of, kind of have, right, like still sitting in the seat next to you, listening yeah. to your stupid story for the third time because you're drunk. <laughs> But um, that one would be like, do you want a beer? And I'd be like, oh, no, sorry, I'm not drinking. Or like um, I would just constantly be like, no, sorry, I'm so sorry I'm not drinking. Mm. And I caught myself saying it. I'm like, why am I saying sorry? This is like my freaking choice to not Mm -hmm. drink and I'm really proud of that choice. I'm a better person for not drinking. Why should I apologise for that? And it was just this self-check. And so I, I really, really carried that through on all of these little, I guess, journeys that I've been on to just not apologize for becoming self-aware enough and brave enough to do something different. And I think for anyone that's embarking on the decluttering journey, like don't apologize to people for it. Unless you're being a real bitch, then sure, like apologize. But if you don't out the, the bread bread bin that your husband sorry, made and you sorry. ate. Sorry, sorry. yeah, I'm sorry. But you don't have. We don't. We shouldn't have to say sorry for trying to be my best self. You should never have to apologize for mm. that. And when you become aware of that, you you notice it all the time. You're like, oh, my God, I'm always apologising and you have nothing to apologise for. And I I just wanted to share that because that was a huge breakthrough for me when I stopped saying sorry and I would just go, um, like someone would be like, oh, hey, do you, do you want a drink? And I'd be like, yeah, I'd love a water, thanks. Mm. Oh, you're not Changes drinking? everything. No, not drinking. Oh, well, when did you quit drinking? Seven years ago. Oh well, what? And then you and then you have this conversation, and you're not on the back foot going. There's no judgment. Like yeah. they don't feel judgment. It's well, it diffuses it too because I think the other thing, and this is just specific to drinking, but I'm sure that you guys may have encountered this when you sort of step out and do something, you know, a little bit against the grain, um, which I guess in the era of overconsumption and huge consumerism decluttering really is, you know, against the grain, but it just, all you're doing is holding a mirror up to the person you're having the conversation with. And if they don't like the reflection, which is them, that's when they start getting judgy and angry. And I, again, had to learn that one where I'm like, oh, you're not mad at me for not drinking. You're mad at you for not, not drinking. Ah, that's not my fault. You know? Yeah. We've yeah, got a whole awesome. episode on judgment and uh, and mm. in that episode we go to town on like if anybody judges you, it is a reflection on them. On them. It's not a reflection. Like you get to stand in your power and your choice and you are free to do whatever you want. Right. You might have to have conversations. Like it yeah. might be an invitation for a conversation. But of that's course. also an invitation in relationship. Like yeah. if your mum, if you're, let, let's take your husband, if your husband's frustrated that you let go of something, that's his frustration other than the breadboard, other than the, the bread, the bread tin, we're always going to come back to the bread tin. Yeah, but <laughs> if, it, if it is an, it's an opportunity to 
further engage in relationship by having a conversation about something. So, yeah. Maz, I want to um, take a little bit of a shift and I want to talk about parenting and nah. intentional living and decluttering and consumerism. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the, the nervous shaking in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Tell, it's us, hard. tell us your experience. So I went, I sort of came to the decluttering journey pre-kids or pre-kid, have one child, but I have two stepkids. Um, they don't live with us full time. So um, I feel like their stuff is quite easy to manage because they they don't, like if they if we had them living with us full time, I think it would be a different conversation. But they would just be like, oh, Maz is going through one of her truck out phases again. <laughs> <laughs> but then... So for, for me, I've, I've, you know, gone on this really beautiful journey of letting stuff go and understanding my value and my worth and um, I don't need so many things to fill up my life and I feel free and I've got room. And then I had a kid and I felt this sense of love that I've never experienced before and this physical part of my heart lives on the outside of my body and I want him to have everything ever Uh (laughs) that is like the most conflicting dance that I feel that I do daily of I don't want my kid to miss out I don't want my kid to not have I don't want I like I want everything for him yeah and what I've had to realize is that doesn't mean buying everything for him even though I want to, every time we go to like Kmart, I'm like, I want you to have all of the toy tools. Take the whole set home, (laughs) kid, because you deserve it because you're my kid. Like I made you. You're amazing. It blows my mind. Love on them. But what I've realised is, and I've been, because I was at that intentional space coming into motherhood it's really been I've just been living it out I say that I'm on my parenting L plates because I have a two and a half year old and I'm still really trying to juggle all that kind of stuff but what I found in a practical sense because I the like the overwhelming love and the wanting to spoil your kid thing I think every parent experiences that and it's so real and you if you aren't a parent you you are just never going to experience Experience that until you have your own child because I didn't feel that with my stepkids like they're really cool and super fun um but like with Henry it's just like oh my god like you're a piece of me and you deserve everything right <laughs> oh kills me I can't even like I just I miss him when he goes to bed anyway I'm obsessed with my child but I realized that like me doing buying him all this stuff is not going to actually benefit him at all one because he's only two years old (laughs) at this stage but two like I want more than what I want more than wanting my kid to have everything I want Henry to be resilient I want him to be empathetic I want him to be a great communicator. I want him to be emotionally intelligent. I want him to be some sort of joy bringer and nation shaker. That's my dream for my child because that's the person I wanted to put on the planet. 
And me buying him a whole bunch of things is not going to teach him any of those lessons. And on the flip side, me not giving him anything ever is not going to teach him any of those lessons. That's exactly what I'm thinking. It's actually the, the balance. It's so it's this, it's, and so one of the things that I did before I had a kid is I did this parenting course called, uh, there's a book called Love and Logic. Um, and then there's, you guys are probably across Danny Silk and his ministry, which is um, Loving on Purpose. I'm guessing a lot of your audience are Danny Silk fans, huge Danny Silk fan. Him and his wife have this amazing course called Loving on Purpose. It's all like keep your love on. And I, I've just did his parenting course and it's about choices essentially it's a parenting strategy and I've done it with Henry since day dot and it has been this really great thing to see that I can say no to Henry and he doesn't necessarily like that because he's two and he wants something but he recovers really quickly and it's not because I'm bribing him with something else but I've empowered my kid to make choices even at the age of two and and I think that that has gone hand in hand with the wrestle of I want to spoil you with everything, but that's not going to do you any good. And so, but also me denying you access to everything isn't going to do you any good either. So for me, like that whole parenting strategy came out of that huge self-awareness journey and I just got on the front foot of it, I think. I think it's like in the very first episode of like the parenting course he's like who never wants to have an argument with their kid and I'm like oh my god I never want to fight my kid I freaking love him so much he's like two months old you know um but it is a it works for us and we're not professionals at all at it we're just fudging our way through but we found it super helpful and I think that so I'm really proud of like in Henry's room if you look at all of his things he has things yeah all of the things that he has he uses it's got a ton of um, Duplo Lego and we play with it every day. And he's got a whole bunch of really cool books and a lot of them were um, friends asked me what they could buy, Henry, and I was like, can you just give us your kids' old books and old toys because we'll just, that's better than you buying oh, stuff. Yeah. So there's that whole element too. And then there's this other thing we do where like for his birthday he did get like a couple of cool things from the grandparents but then we, and so for his second birthday, I was like, okay, buddy, you've got some new stuff. So let's, let's take some of the old stuff and let's give that to like the toy donation thing at Big W. We, we, did, we went and did it together. And so it's like, I'm just, I'm educating him on everything that I'm kind of becoming aware of in this beautiful flow. And I don't, it's a really big human experiment on if it's going to work or not, but I do, it's a good experiment. I don't, like I don't think it can fail because I think at the end of the day I just know my kid is not going to be super attached to stuff. He is going to want to chase after experiences and adventure and that's kind of where we're at with the whole parenting thing. It's hard though and it's hard with the in-laws and the grandparents because they're all annoying and so, (laughs) (laughs) oh, like out of love but just stop. They but, feel um, what you feel as well, but they feel like it even they, more. I want to just lavish. Yeah. So I've had to just put bound. I've given my mum some really healthy boundaries, and there's. I'm like, I'm cool with this. Anything else, run it by me. That's and right. and then I was like, if you, I'm like, what? Another cool thing you can do if you feel like you need to spoil Henry, 
just go and put that 20 bucks that you were going to buy that junk piece of crap toy on, put it in his bank account because we're giving him that money so he can buy his first car when he's 16. Like, do you know what I mean? There's other ways. It's it's not about shutting the grandparents down. It's just about yes. like redirecting their generosity. That's what yeah. I call it. Yeah. I'm like, mum, you need some direction here, lady. Stop bringing plastic crap into my house. But I've said it in a really caring way. And I think that's key too. And like, you know, back to the whole Danny Silk thing, it's like keeping your love on. You're having these conversations with family who we care about, but who drive us up the freaking wall. But I don't want it to ever be a thing. I don't want ever, I don't want to ever have a fight with my mom about her being too generous with her own right. grandchild. What right? you want to reinforce is the generosity. What you yeah. want to redirect is what that looks like. A hundred percent. When as grandparents retire, that changes again. Like my parents are both retired now. And so just this last weekend, the kids went and stayed for two days. Like that is so much better for them. They enjoy yeah. that so much more than if they just turned up with new stuff. A all bunch the time. of stuff. Like, Give me the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely for kids because kids are just like quality time suckers. They love it. They can't get enough of it. Um, so that's really cool too. My mum, so the, the funny thing with like my sitch is, so it's just my mum that's around and she like Henry is her only biological grandchild at this stage. And so you can imagine it's like it's it's on steroids how much she loves my child. She's literally said, she's like, I think I love Henry more than I ever loved you. Oh, and I'm like, that's that. what pet grandparents do. Yeah. That's their job. My, my dad says that to me all the time and I love oh, it. I love it. I, I do it. too. I do too. But secretly, I was like, "Mum, I wasn't. Wasn't I the perfect angel child?" <laughs> so imagine what you're going to be like as a grandma uh, if you are like bursting at the seams with love for Henry. I know. Imagine when he has children. Oh my god. Yeah, and I do think as well, like just on the whole bursting at the seams with love thing. Like I, I know what that feeling is, and I could channel it in a different way. Like. I could just spoil my kid rotten. I I have I have the I guess the access to spoil him yeah. with everything possible. But that is not going to be the best thing for him and I want the best for him. And so teaching him about choices, about limits, about no, about all of that stuff I think are the lessons that I'm trying to ingrain in him so it's in his nature to not be this like over consumer and add to the problem when he gets older. What I love about your story is that you are such a passionate communicator as well. <laughs> so Henry is going to have the benefit of you and your husband communicating why you're making your choices. So mm. even if he chooses differently when he's older, he is going to understand why you made those choices. And so I think that that is what is what the power that we have as human beings is to explain our choices like and that's yeah. you know, sometimes not engaging in conversation like you don't have to apologize but yeah it is inviting relationship it is going well if you'd like to know more I can tell you why I've made those choices and this is why I've made those choices like a hundred percent 
Because, I mean, that's why we both have podcasts, isn't it? So that we can explain to people in further detail about the choices that we're making every day. Because it's all choices, really. Mm -hmm. My mum used to say that to me. Gosh, that was so annoying. When I was like a teenager, she'd be like, but Naz, it's just your choice. Like, shut up, mum. And now I'm like, oh, she's so right. How annoying when the parents (laughs) are right. Yeah, right. Oh, can I just say one thing, Kirsty? When you said how I'm a passionate communicator, because <laughs> I am. Like it's it's what I always. I'm a communicator for sure. But like, so I have this little routine with Henry at the moment where I put him in his cot and like he's in a cot, but we've taken the bars off so he can get in and out. So he climbs into his cot and he's got his little fox and his little sloth. And I tuck him in and I he always, at the moment, so we read a book and then I tell him a story and he gets to choose the story. So at the moment he he's like snowboarding story mum. So I tell him a story about when he used to be a snowboarder. And, and he will always go, Henry, come. I'm like, yes, darling, you'll come to the snow with me one day. Anyway, so I tell him the story and then I say goodnight. I leave the room. Five minutes later, Henry, mama, 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 cuddle. Like he's just so needy. So the other night I like went in and I was, and it usually only happens once I go back in, tuck him in, done. But the other night I went back in and I was like, just super animated with him. And I wasn't meaning to be, but I was, I tucked him in. I was like, okay, Henry, now here's the deal. You've had your book and a story and you've got your fox and your sloth. It is time to go to sleep no stuffing around and he looked me dead in the face and he goes chill out mum and I was just like this kid just knows me like so well already because I was like yeah I'm probably being a bit over the top (laughs) welcome welcome to the rest of your parenting journey my friend you have a mini mirror right in front of you it is like it is so it's so fun. I've got to say, I was pretty hesitant about being a mom <laughs> because I'm not maternal at all. But Henry just like, yeah, they, well, like I don't know. Switch. It's yeah. yeah, it's it's on. Like it's so on. But I I love it, and I love like how Glenn and I have evolved as parents and humans all combined in the one in two and a half years too like Mm. that's really cool to see he's got two other kids as well and they're they're challenging in different levels at different stages but like we've just got this cool kind of blended family dynamic that we're just kind of I don't know kicking along with and I and to me there's fun in that and I wish more families would see the fun in Mm. family like because it's fun I think that's fun. And it is also being open to growing and changing. Like I say that I'm only a 12-year-old parent. Like I've got so much to learn. I'm only 12 years old in my parenting journey and Amy's only 15 years old. Like we, but also I said to a friend the other day, she sent me a message about some self-actualization you know like she's growing in her understanding of herself and I said it only just keeps getting better it's hard yeah and and it is hard work to be self-reflective and to understand yourself but it just gets better and it gets and I am not the same person I was when Mm. I met my husband 
yeah. I'm not even the same person I was yesterday because this, yeah. this conversation has opened me up yeah. to even more things. I know, and I've been writing notes, Maz. I know. Oh, this wow. Is, that's cool. <laughs> that's why, like, mm. clearly that's why we have podcasts because we love sharing stories and we mm. love growing and learning together. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being no, on No, thank you. Hey, one, one final thing. Um, and I, because I'm just telling everyone this now because it blew my mind, but I don't remember who it was. It was a friend or a friend of a friend and this came up in conversation and we were talking about how, like, we're in our 40s and I'm like, oh, my God, like, did you guys have this moment when you're like, oh, like, what were my par- parents yeah. doing when they were 40? Yeah, when I turned 37, I realised that was the age that my mum was when she moved from the UK with two kids and my dad who wanted to do Bible college and she didn't have a choice and, like, this whole, I was like, that's what my mum did when she was 37 and now I'm at that age. And someone said to me, yeah, so you know the crazy thing about being a parent is that your kids are watching you grow up. And I was like, mind blown. Yes, they are. Because yeah. that's what's happening. Like I'm evo- evolving and growing and learning and yeah. developing and they are like they have a front row seat to that yeah. as yeah. we and it that just Ugh. blew me away but also made me so excited about that continuum of learning and growing and developing and these conversations and empowering people to at least start the journey, you know. Oh, Maz. If we didn't have another meeting in four minutes, we would just, you know, roll into episode number three. But I, I get a sneaking suspicion this is not the end of the Maz, no. Amy and Kirsty conversation. No, this is but definitely the beginning of something very fact, special. It really yeah. is. Um, cool. This is only the second time that I've got to know you, but I love you, Maz. I really oh. <laughs> I think that your heart and who you are has got so much to offer the world and you've offered so much, but I think this next season for you is going to blow your mind. I think you're going to get to 50 and you're going to look back and go, oh, I wish I could have told my 40-year-old Maz what this decade was going to be um, because I just... I'm so I've got goosebumps. I'm so yep, excited for oh, thanks, guys. I'm um, I'm pretty stoked that we've recorded it in history on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to thank you guys for just what the platform that you've given me is really amazing because I wouldn't have realized all this stuff in me without coming to you. And I know initially that was like because I wanted you guys to talk about the pillar of health of environment on my podcast, but like. Isn't it amazing how crazy things get and how interwoven and connected this all feels? So, and yeah, I this is not our last chat no, at all. Oh, it's not, baby. No but way. thank you, and yeah, thank you for letting me talk about myself, which is something I do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. What a, I I I can't wait for um, mm. our listeners to be tuning into your podcast now too. So we'll put links to it, but give a shout out now and then we'll put links to it. In the- yes. Yeah, so the one, so the wellness rebellion is my podcast and season two is dropping um, soon, but season one's already up there and out there. And Amy, our chat is coming up this season, this next coming season. Yay. 
Listeners, have an amazing week. We would love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and we'll see you over in our Facebook community. We've clocked over 20,000 members in the last um, couple of days. So come over. There's lots of people there who, like you, are on this journey and want to connect and learn from you as well. Maz, thank you and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you've learned something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.